Welcome back to another series of podcast episodes of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and Gavin. Hello. 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 Good to be back. I think you brought your energy back. Remember that you kind of mailed in the one? You were like, hey, we're here. <laughs> Glad uh, you guys it, could join us. It's the extra cup of coffee. A little bit of Eeyore. Yeah. Mm. Wow. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that's just not nice. <laughs> Well, no, you're usually energetic and silky smooth. It's it's not even 12, and you're throwing haymakers already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that your street name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounded Amish or something. I don't yeah, even yeah. know. <laughs> no disrespect to the Amish community. I don't even know hey, what. let's find out how many people we can alienate today. Yeah, sorry about that. I, I like to retract the last 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, so, listener, uh, we thank you for joining, and I'm just proud that we didn't let, like, weeks pass in between uh, episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm using yet yeah a lot today. You are. So, You're very agreeable. Yes. I'm nervous. Sir. Yes, sir. Um, but but isn't it incredible that, that God kind of has this, uh, you, you go through seasons in life where, you know, uh, right now we've both talked about some encouraging things that we've seen, and, and God seems to take you up on those mountaintops that you can uh, just see his majesty and then we'll regularly send you back into the valleys to do some, some good and glor God glorifying work. But, but sometimes you don't see, you don't see the results. You don't see, you know, so it's, I think God, of course, God knows when to take you up on that mountaintop and show you the good things that he is accomplishing around you and through you. And then, then sometimes he puts you in the valley. Yeah. So, and, and it feels like we spend an inordinate amount of time in the valley. Yes. And but that's it, when you can say, by faith, we thank him now. By, you know, right. blessed are those who, who do not see, have not seen, and yet believe. Well, uh, diamonds are, you know, there's a lot of pressure involved and, and heat involved in the forming of a diamond. We, we become that diamond. Not are, are, you, are you saying you're bedazzled? I'm becoming bedazzled. <laughs> <laughs> like a rhinestone cowboy. Yeah, uh, yeah, boy. <laughs> Giddy up. Oh my word! <laughs> I was wondering why you I were wearing the, those fringe chaps and and uh, cowboy uh, hat. I feel the need to apologize to our audience. Yes, let's move on. Let's, let's get, get into, into the, the text, listener. If you want to find uh, Exodus chapter twenty, what is the name of the podcast? Let's open the Bible. Oh, that's it. I think. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yep. Yep. Oh. Mm, here we go. <laughs> Exodus chapter twenty. We're gonna we're we're gonna begin a a, a series looking at the uh, different uh, uh, ten commandments, and so we'll see uh, we'll see about this. We're gonna be looking at verses one through three of Exodus chapter twenty. All right. I didn't realize this. Uh, different. Uh, the different views on the Ten Commandments. There are there are people that actually hold to more than ten commandments in this. By the way, Gavin, do you know how many times the Ten Commandments was given in Scripture? I don't. I know that you you get it reiterated in the the uh, second command se second set of commandments in Deuteronomy. But how many times? Three. Three. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just a little meaningless. Uh, that's not meaningless. Mm -hmm. That's that's significant and Tidbit. important. Absolutely. Well, Gavin, you want to open us in prayer, and then I'll read these first three verses. Sure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that uh, that you give us your word. Um, may through it we see you more clearly. Uh, may we see you as you are. Uh, that will captivate our 
heart's affection and our mind's attention for all eternity. Uh, th- that will be that will be the object of our joy. You will be the object of our joy. You will be our treasure and our great reward. And so, God, maybe uh, today, uh, by the power of your Spirit and through the uh, speaking of your Word, we can behold you. Um, and I ask that you would do that. Thank you for Russ and his willingness to walk us through this today. Um, and thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, again, Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, we would say that this is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And um, I think that this is a God is starting here with a vertical series of commands. Um, at, uh, I believe it's command number four. If I'm not mistaken, we, we, uh, we have the fulcrum where he transitions from the vertical to the horizontal. But I love that it begins with an emphasis on being reminded that there is no other God. Yeah, and and just as you were speaking about earlier, different people number these commandments differently. And so what is four to some would be five to others. Right. So, you know, we're going to work through them you know, kind of one at a time and understanding that people number these differently, understand them a little differently. Um, so, all right, let's dig in. <clears throat> Verse one, and God spoke all these words saying, uh, let's just start with the inerrancy of scripture. Right. You know, it's eternal. It is, it is always constantly under attack. Probably the most, uh, uh, vehement attacker right now would be Bart Ehrman. You know, maybe the most popular attacker of the inerrancy of Scripture. He he has left the faith over it. But we believe that that all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. And what Bart Ehrman would say is that we have copies of copies of copies, which is true. But that adds to my uh, trusting of Scripture. And I think we've talked about that. We can get into that some other time. But, but God spoke. These are not commandments that are suggestions by man. They're not, hey, you know... We pick these up along the way. This is God speaking. The other thing I want to inter- reiterate again is the commandments are not just God sitting up in heaven going, hey, what would be a great list of rules? Yeah. This is, and let me, let me back up. So um, <clears throat> Socrates is the muse that Plato uses in his writing. And so in, in a Socratic dialogue, uh, so- Plato's writing about this, so Plato, a student of Socrates, is writing about this, and Socrates and another man go back and forth, and 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 I'm going to paraphrase, and I'm going to get maybe the examples wrong, but Socrates looks at the man and says, would God ever steal? I says, well, of course not. Why not? Well, stealing is wrong. Would God ever lie? Well, of course not. Why? Because lying is wrong. Would God? And suddenly, these commandments are above God. God wouldn't do these things because they're wrong, you know, and suddenly... You don't even, it, it, it's kind of, uh, I worked at an agency once that was trying to take God out of the picture and said, we don't need God. We just need to teach character traits because these laws are actually in, in this Socratic dialogue above God. That's not how a Christian should see it. 
they right. should see it as God is. And because God is, these things flow from him, and that's the, the Ten Commandments. So, um, so, for example, God is faithful. So adultery is sinful because God is faithful. God, there's no shadow of turning in God. God does not lie. Um, and so, therefore, we must not lie, bear false witness. God does not covet, so we shouldn't covet. God is zealous for himself. That's another one that bothers some people. I love it because that is a good thing for God to be zealous for himself. And we could walk through why that benefits us and why that is the right thing. But God is is zealous for himself or jealous for himself. Um, and therefore, that's one of these commandments. So let me see if I can simplify this. Because God is these things, the commandments flow from the very nature of God. They're not just an arbitrary list of rules. So one of the things that I remember hearing in seminary that I found helpful, the non-believer or the atheist might say to the statement that God is zealous for himself, might say, well, that sounds like God is self-centered. And... That would be right if God were not God. In other words, we, we tend to make God like us. And so whenever we are zealous for ourselves, whenever we are only concerned with ourselves, we call that being conceited or self-centered or whatever. But God is ultimate. And therefore, that God would be zealous for himself only makes sense because if God was zealous in that way for anything else, then he would not be God. Okay, that may be helpful to you. What I find more helpful, and, and uh, uh, that is true, what you just said was true, but, but what I find more helpful to myself is you're, you're a believer, right? You're a Justin, you love Justin Bieber. Um, so Russ, you know, has a poster behind him, right? I may be telling stories. Uh, Russ has a big po- a signed poster of Justin Bieber behind him and, and he's just a believer, but he goes to a concert. Let me ask you this. If you go to a concert and let's just pretend that you are a Justin Bieber fan, okay? you go to a concert and Justin Bieber gets up on stage and with his excellence and what you came to hear, he says, you know what? Listen, I think it would be selfish for me to have a concert with me. I think that's very self-centered. So I'm going to get Russ to come up here and sing because I want it to be about him. Um, would you be as happy? And I don't mean with his band leading you or maybe with his band leading you. Would you be as happy if you really truly were a fan of Justin Bieber? If he left or walked or just went out in the audience and watched you and cheered, would you be as happy to have that concert where you were doing it? No, of course Would not. anybody else? No. But but and and that's just this is a absolutely grossly reductionistic view of uh, of God or an illustration of God, but for that excellence to walk off the stage and sit back and just say you know what I don't want it to be about me and have is 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 a detriment to everybody in the whole stadium everybody in in God's case in the world right for God to be self for God to be um, anything but zealous for Himself is to do a disservice to everybody. So not only is he rightly deserving it as God, not only is it not uh, selfish in the, in the pejorative sense of the word, because it's not a pejorative for him to be zealous for himself because he is God, but even so, for our joy, it's good for him to be all about himself. It's, it's good for him to be the object of our affection and attention and to display his glory for our joy. Can you imagine? Yeah, I, I just I, I can't imagine it any other way. If God would just, if if it were possible for God to step off His throne and say, you know what, just I'll step back and it'll all be about you today. Mm-hmm. Well, that would stink. 
You know, it's and, funny that you use this this analogy of the singing. I listened to Sports Talk Radio. We were talking about that. Right. And one of the shows I listened to is the Dan Patrick Show, and they're big, friend, uh, big friends with um, – um, That guy. Hootie and the Blowfish. Okay. What, whatever the country – Darius Rucker. Yeah, Rucker. And so um, they had made a wager with Darius Rucker, and Darius Rucker lost. And so the wager uh, meant that one of the – uh, shows contributors that's on the staff for Dan Patrick got to sing at a Darius Rucker concert. Okay. And it was awful. Okay. <laughs> and he got to sing two songs. There's thousands of fans there. Well, it's a good thing that Darius Rucker wasn't all about himself. It's a good thing he let somebody else get up there. Everybody benefited from that, right? But, but no. Yeah, so it's a perfect analogy no. yeah. of what you're saying. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I, Again, if God would let us worship ourselves, we're horrible gods. And I mean, I think it's a it's a blessing for him to say, you shall have no other gods before me. Yeah. He rightly, he, he, he is God, the, only, the one true and living God. He is. He is worthy so that we are to ascribe to him the glory, do his name. We're not... You know, I, I love the idea of the difference between a magnifying glass and a telescope. One makes something big look, you know, more like it is to us, like a telescope. When we look at a distant star through a telescope, we see it more clearly, but it is much bigger than even the telescope can tell us. That's more like God, as opposed to a microscope, which makes a tiny thing look big. We're not, we're not, we don't have a God that needs a microscope. We're not glorifying him, making a tiny God look big. We're actually doing the best we can to make him look as he is in our hearts and in the hearts of the people around us. Yeah. That's a good pastor who lifts up God and says, listen, we can only, you know, uh, what does Job say in Job 26? Behold, these are but outskirts of his ways. No matter how glorious a picture you paint of God, behold, these are, are but outskirts of his ways, you know. But the mm. thunder of his power, who who can comprehend? Who can understand? Yeah. All right. Um, I, I had a picture of when you were describing that. I had a pic- mental image of of Moses describing uh, God revealing just a portion of his backside, you know, the outskirts of his ways. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and I was reminded, too, when in verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me, reminds me of, of the Isaiah passage that a lot of times you will say in your prayer, and, and I've grown to say that in my prayer, that you know, you are God, there is no other, there is none like you. Right. Which really, um, in, in going back to a conversation you and I had before we hit record uh, about the political landscape here in this country and how we have this monotheistic uh, uh, Hindu person, which I'm still wrestling with, I don't know how that happened, um, but how many different gods people worship. Create to worship. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, so, it's so amazing. Let's, maybe, maybe let's keep working through the verses one at a time, okay. because I, if you skip two, you skip kind of the flow of thought, which is, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Why do you think? It points us right to Christ. It, it does, which we are a doulos of Christ, which is because you're, you're always a slave. Right. Right, you you serve something. We you, serve, you serve something. a master. We serve a master. You can either serve the master of money, you can serve a false god. You could be a slave in Egypt, or you could be a slave to sin. But God calls us to be a slave to Christ, which is a glorious place to be. 
the best illustration that I ever have ever used is with, uh, you know, when we're getting, we're doubling down on our sports references. But, you know, if, if somebody said Michael Jordan is asking for somebody to carry his gym bag uh, for the next, you know, for the next season for the Bulls, you'd have a bunch of people when I was growing up, you'd have had just hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands upon 10,000s, maybe even hundreds of thousands of kids signing up to carry Michael Jordan's gym bag to make themselves a servant of Michael Jordan, to be close to the presence of that quote unquote greatness. And Michael Jordan has all sorts of flaws. And yet people would sign up for that to be a slave of Christ. There is no better place to be. It is a glorious, good place to be. And by the way, this is what's really kind of um, counterintuitive to be a slave of Christ is to be truly free. Yeah. Amen. If the son has set you free, you, you are, are free. free indeed. So, but the other thing that, um, and I know, uh, I appreciate Tim Keller's ministry. I recognize there's some, there's some, you know, difference in thinking between what Tim Keller says and what I say. So I don't want to attach myself too closely to him. But one time he came up, uh, or he said a woman came up to him and said, I, th- I think this was, the, I, I don't think I'm combining my illustrations, but but I know it was a Tim Keller illustration. And he said, I just realized if Christ died for me, he can ask anything of me. I, I truly am bought and paid for. Amen. Right? Yeah. Do you understand? God brought you out of Egypt. You were enslaved. Your children were enslaved. You were dying. You were serving. You were building monuments to to the Pharaoh and God set you free from that. And then you go, okay, but now he's calling us to follow rules. Isn't he putting us in bondage again? And to that, Russ would say when he finishes texting, (laughs) beg your pardon. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right. So to that, if if you say God says, Hey, you're free. And now I'm going to give you a list of rules. So I, I'm freeing you from Egypt to give you these rules at Sinai. What would you say? I mean, have you worked through that in your mind at all? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting that, you know, we go from being a slave to being a slave. Mm-hmm. You know, we go from being under one master to being under another master. But the, there's a big, big difference. Oh, there's a huge difference. One's a good shepherd. Yes. One protects his sheep. One is uh, God always, Hebrews, I, I, we can take you to chapter and verse of these things. Hebrews 12, God disciplines us as uh, for our good. We had earthly fathers that disciplined us as seemed best to them, which means they failed. They didn't, there's selfishness that creeps in. There's a lack of understanding of the situation. There's a lack of, desi- you know, the wrong goals. The wrong, our, our, our earthly fathers and I as an earthly father, you as an earthly father have messed up a thousand times, but God disciplines us for our good every time. Right. The, the, the rules that God implements are always for our good. The calling for us to serve God is always for our good. It's for his glory, sure, but it is always for our good. To attach ourselves to God, to be a doulos, a slave of Christ, is is always and every time for our good. And there is real freedom there. Again, we've worked through these two reductionistic illustrations, fine. But if you would just say, I want to totally be free. I want to be totally free. I want to park where I want to park. I want to drive the way I want to drive. I want to be free. Let's walk through how that goes. You, we, we've done this before. Let's do it quickly again. So yeah. uh, you go to a mall. If you could park anywhere in that mall, where would you park? In the mall? No, well, you maybe or at the mall. It does, at the mall, in the mall, doesn't matter. You go right in front. Right in front. I mean, right smack dab in the door. Yeah, I, I want to be like everybody else at Walmart and just park by the door. Right. 
Okay. Then if there are no parking spaces, no rules, there are no rules here. Where's the next person going to park right there, right there, right there. And just, it grows now, Russ, you want to leave. How are you going to go? How are you going to get out? You, you can't. can't. All right. Then, then Russ says, you know what? I'm tired of these roads with all these lines and speed limits and everything else. I'm just going to drive the way I want. So he starts driving the wrong way down a one-way uh, highway. Why? Because he wants to. Or he doesn't. He wants to ignore the stop sign. How free will you be? You won't be. Right. The, these guidelines are actually for your freedom. And then the other reductionist. And your protection. And, and your good protection. And all that. The good of the people around you. It's, for, it's so that you can get places quicker, more quickly. Yeah. It's, it's incredible how when you say, I want to drive the way I want to drive, how the lack of rules actually restricts your ability to drive as fast as you want to drive. When everybody's driving you know, all over the place with no, no guidelines. And by the way, I've been to countries where you're like, are there any traffic rules? Yeah. In fact, I've been to one of those countries where somebody was killed because there was no traffic, you know, in, in, in a traffic accident because specifically because there were, were no rules. And then the last one we used this, even last week, we talked about this. If people are standing around, what do they do? If, you know, they, they impose rules by playing board games, yeah. by playing video games, that was a by great playing basketball games. We yeah. just impose rules for our, for, for our joy. Well, right. you know, even like yesterday, I was uh, coming back from a doctor's appointment that I missed and calling uh, the optometrist to schedule an appointment. And so the person said, well, let me, uh, let me put you on the counter and all this. And I finally said, you know what? Um, I think everyone would appreciate this if I pull over so that I can look at the calendar instead of trying to drive and navigate the phone and the calendar all at the same time. So there are some rules that it's not legal to do what I was doing. It's some rules that, like you said, it's, it's not just for our benefit, but it's for the benefit of people around us. And that's true of these commandments. Okay. Yes, for the people around us, sure. But always I want to... I, I, <clears throat> I don't like this idea, and I'm going to cringe at the way I say this, but if you were a, just an extremely selfish person, and, and you, I mean, had no thought for any other person but yourself, these rules would still be for your good. Now, I think it's much more than that. And, and, and of course, as Christians, we ought to be humble and we need to serve God and we need to not be about ourselves. Um, you know, blessed are the meek, the, the, the low in spirit, the, the poor in spirit. Humility is commended in Scripture. Arrogance, pride, flattery, all of those are condemned in Scripture. Um, but even as a, as a selfish person to follow these, it, it is for your benefit. All right. Um, so let, let's keep reading. Uh, you shall have no other gods, Elohim, before me. Does that mean that there are other gods? Because as you brought up the Hindu religion, um, v- though the Hindu religion is very difficult to define and pin down as to exactly what every Hindu believes, because there, there's nothing that every Hindu believes. It's, very, it's a very um, fluid Diverse. Religion. I would say even Christianity is diverse, but the the religion itself is in Hinduism is very difficult to pin down. Yeah. So, but but three hundred thirty million gods is one of the ways they express their beliefs. That you know three hundred thirty million gods, and sure. that's just one of the ways that they express their beliefs. Sure. Why not? So okay, so are you saying that those gods are real? No. Well, it just says. I mean, you just read Exodus. What does it say? You shall have no other gods before me. Right. Well, then Isaiah, you know, makes it clear that there are no other gods. Okay, so how do you understand you shall have no other gods before me? Because we, we make gods in our minds and in our hearts. I always like how David Tripp, um, um, I, I think it was him. I don't think it was my imagination, but uh, maybe it was. Uh, describes the mantle place in our heart 
and that God deserves the center place of the mantle place of our heart, anytime we replace him with anything else, what we've done is we've created a God. Yeah. So I, I, again, another pastor words it as wrongly ordered affections. Yeah. So if you move your wife above God, she becomes an idol. If you move your job above your wife, your job's an idol. Like so, wrongly ordered affections is God has established in His Word, and and by His very nature. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. I'm not going to edit that out. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good deal. Um, Wrongly ordered affections. Right. So uh, that, that if you have, you know, if, if you elevate video games above your job or your job above your wife and children or your, you know, if, if wrongly ordered affections, there is a hierarchy established in God's word and according to the very nature of God that we ought to submit to, right? So um, idolatry is getting that all out of whack to have, to, for, to allow something to usurp the position of God himself. Yeah, the problem is is that, that we're all worshipers. We're born worshipers. Uh, and so then the question is, who or what is it that we're worshiping? Even the atheists, though they might deny this, they're a worshiper. They're just not worshiping God as, as you and I would understand God, the creator of the universe. Yeah. Isaiah 44 is a great illustration of forming and fashioning a God that, that doesn't satisfy I mean, you've made it. How do you think that's going to satisfy? That's what. That's one of the things with with when when my affections get disordered, I sit there and I go, "You made this idol." And and, and again, I, I believe what Calvin says that we have fabricum idolarum. Our hearts are idol factories. You know, so that the factory, your heart just produces idols. Right. But but when I'm aware of the idols in my life that need to be put to death and removed and, and have my affections rightly ordered again, God sits on his throne. I need to recognize that in my, in my life and in my decisions. But when I see him, I'm like, you made that idol. How right. in the world did you expect that would satisfy you? Yeah. Well, he also that's made, Isaiah 44. But he also made the tree that Jesus hung on. How do you mean that? You got to answer a phone first. Well, you said he, he, he you know, when you said he made you made that idol, like God made the the thing that we're idolizing, but he also made the tree that Jesus suffered on. Okay. Or were you saying that we make the idol? We make the idol. Gotcha. Never mind. Yeah, I missed I, that I'm saying part. I make the idol yeah. in my life. Sorry. I'm I glad you, you were, clarified that. I'm glad I, you clarified that. I thought that. you were you saying that, you know, God made whatever it is that we've made an idol. Well, that's actually that's that's kind of more along the lines of uh of Hosea where that these other nations use the gifts of God to lure away Israel. Yeah. So, you know, every, every good and perfect gift comes from God, and then we pervert that in our minds, or other people use those things to lure us away from God. We allow those things to be lured right. away from God. So, yeah, that, I mean, that is a, a good kind of point of reference. I slid that in on you. Yeah, it was very nice. Yeah. I like it. Well, Gavin, I think this is probably a oh, good wow. landing spot. And uh, appreciate your input today, listener. Thanks for joining us today. And we look forward to catching back up with you tomorrow with uh, another of the uh, commandments. Until then, God bless.